That's Life, the show where we have booked not one, but two trips to Israel this summer, and we cannot wait. And to all those trying to convince me to do otherwise, save it. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch. As I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Though, as a person who has recently downloaded the Red Alert app, I really cannot claim that my life is any crazier than going what is going on in Israel right now. By the way, a shout-out to Aliza Sussman in Modi'in, who had posted on Facebook, oh, and to Mayor Fertig, I'm sorry, props to Mayor Fertig as well, who both recommended on Facebook that anyone outside of Israel who would really like to buy a bit of a clue as to the intensity of the bombing in Israel, they should download the Red Alert app so that every time a siren goes off anywhere in Israel, you hear it as well. And I will tell you, it is horrifying. I am thousands of miles away. I am not sitting in a bomb shelter. I am sitting on the Lower East Side, and the number, the sheer number of times that the siren goes off on my phone is unbelievable. It is just unfathomable. We are coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. I am joined by Avrami. Hello, Avram. How are you doing? I thank God am well. I really, <laughs> I really cannot complain. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. How, how was your fourth? Um, how was it? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It feels the fourth like it's seems been a long time. Right? The fourth seems like it was a really, really, really long time ago. So much has happened in the last uh, couple of days. But we had uh, driven through Baltimore. We were in D.C. that weekend. Yeah, it seems like uh, you're the third person from the network that was in uh, Baltimore and D.C. over the weekend. Oh, really? And I wasn't there. Well, no, by the 4th, I was already home. But, uh, yeah, you and Yossi Zweig was there, and Charlie Harari was there for something. I thought Yossi was there beforehand. He was there while I was while I was here. So sometime around Got there. Got it. Sometime Got around it. there. Well, listen, you live in a very, very hot area. Yeah. It was On nice. On the way to our nation's capital. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, Sorry, it's a place to drive through. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, if you're, returning, if you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, friend me on Facebook or send, my, send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, miriam at nachumsegel.com. I will not be, not be responding to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest. I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, nachumsegelnet, all one word, or Miriam L. Wallach, also all one word. By the way, shout out to everyone at Camp Hask who hosted us yesterday. It was a fantastic show. Um, and I'm sure you heard it this morning. It uh, aired this morning from 6 to 9, as Nahum had announced. We had pre-recorded it yesterday afternoon. It is really the happiest place on earth. And I say that as a person who's obsessed with Disney World, but there is something about going to Camp Hask that really just takes your breath away. It is a phenomenal place to visit, and everyone who works there, they are exceptional human beings. A shout-out to Alex Grossman, who is in Camp Hask, who helped us out yesterday, made sure we were taken care of. Um, not only did Alex take very good care of us, but uh, she's spending her day in the Apple Store. Avram, you're going to like this. Ask me why she's spending her day in the Apple Store. Why is she spending her day in the Apple Store? Because her Mac got hit by lightning last week. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I'm not laughing at you, I promise. But frankly, it's the first time I've ever mentioned on the air that anybody I know had anything struck by lightning. Was she ne- near it? Or? I don't know. I didn't want to ask details, but thank God she looked fine. Wow. <laughs> um, but she was making her way back yesterday um, from camp and had told me that she was basically camping out in the Apple Store today while they were going to try and restore her Mac that had been struck by lightning. Um, I tried to not to make too many jokes about it because I'm not sure that if I had had my computer struck by lightning, I would have found any punchline. Knowing Alex, however, she probably backs up her work, and of course, knowing me, I do not. National holidays. Avrami, you're going to like this one. Today is Don't Step on a Bee Day. Because you know what? There are other days where, hey, it's a great idea. Um, it's also hot dog night. No clue what that's about. It's pina colada day. Nothing? No response? You're not a coconut I'm fan? Not, yeah. yeah neither am I. It's more for uh, Toby and that. Uh, we, oh, we, we make oh. pina colada punch. We make pina colada punch for Shabbosim sometimes. Okay. That's yeah. nice. Sort of. It's also Teddy Bear's Picnic Day. Not sure what that's about. It's Freedom Week. Today's the last day of Freedom Week. And... Um, this is also pretty funny. It's being nice to New Jersey week, which evidently is every year July. It's the first full week in July. Be nice to New Jersey week. 
Um, I haven't come across Be Nice to New York week because evidently New Jersey needs a little bit extra TLC, and that's okay. Let's also do the fortune cookie because my first guest is just called in, and I would love to speak to her as quickly as possible. But I know I haven't done a fortune cookie in a while, and I don't want the masses to be unhappy. Here's the fortune cookie. Be- wow. If this wasn't a good intro for Dr. Novick, I don't know what was. It says, fortune cookie says, be considerate of your teachers. And that, my friends, is Confucius's way of introducing our first guest. Dr. Rona Novick is author, prolific speaker, and dean of Yeshiva University's Azraeli Graduate School of Education. She recently had a post. She recently had a piece in Times of Israel, which prompted me to be in touch with Dr. Novick. Good morning, Dr. Novick. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for joining me. The title of your piece is called Teach Humanity. And especially um, while I believe that this is a piece that could have come out any time, unfortunately, in Jewish history. Yes. <laughs> the fact that it is coming out now and in light of the continued the escalation um, of the Matzav going on in Israel, I-, I wanted to discuss the piece with you and specifically starting with the title. Okay. So let's talk about teaching humanity. Isn't it, isn't it a little bit unfathomable? that that's something we have to teach our kids? It is and it isn't. Um, I'm going to date myself here when I talk about a time when report cards had something called citizenship on it, and they didn't mean whether you voted or not. They meant were you a responsible and caring member of your school community, of your classroom. Um, In our move in the field of education towards standards, as we have increased the content area knowledge that we require of our students, whether it's knowing the ABCs or history or AP chemistry, those are very easy areas to measure. And so we have all kinds of state and national government mandates, no child left behind, we want to get our scores up, how do we compare to other nations? But we don't have a way to rate a child's humanity. Hmm. And if we don't measure it, there's a chance... We don't teach it. Wow. And the, the other, you know, question that is logical from your query, why do we have to teach this, is, well, isn't humanity something that comes naturally to all of us? Right. And I think you just have to read Lord of the Rings or open <laughs> a newspaper and realize that even good people can do bad things in the right circumstances and they're also, I believe, unfortunately, will always be not so good people. Don't we then wonder whose standards of humanity we are we are gauging a student against? Absolutely, which is why we don't currently have any standards. But my argument is it's not about a standard to hold students up to. It's about a process and a curriculum that says whatever it is I'm teaching Whatever my uh, subject matter or my, you know, my portfolio is as an educator and also as a parent, hmm. yes, I have to teach my child to be toilet trained and I have to teach them how to ride a bike and I have right. to teach them how to safely cross the street. Don't I also have to teach them how to feel the pain of others and do something about it? Wow. Don't I also have to teach them that certainly when you make a mess, you have to clean it up, but sometimes <laughs> you can help clean up messes that even you didn't make. Right. right, right. And that's what I mean by teaching humanity. And I, I do think it's an age-old lesson, but it's a lesson that has become um, easier to forget or get buried in our very fast-paced, very content-driven educational landscape. So why did we stop teaching it? Why don't we have that section on our report cards anymore? Well, for one thing, society at large has become a much less formal and routinized um, culture. So, again, I will date myself. But, you know, <laughs> there was a time when you called all adults Mr. or Mrs. Right, sure. When you always said please or thank you, and children were taught to say please and thank you. And there was a level of formal manners, and, you know, there were Emily Postisms, and there were gurus who told us what was right and what was wrong. I am by no means advocating that we go back to that level of formality. It came at great cost. Hmm. But what it did do was give us very clear models and instructions growing up in those generations of what was acceptable and what was not acceptable behavior. 
in today's world, we are much more um, being exposed to and our children are being exposed to an anything-goes type of manner. They are seeing rudeness not only portrayed but celebrated in the media. Hmm. Think about right. all of the, the, whether it's talk shows, radio shows, print press, that talks about the latest faux pas of a celebrity. Right, sure. And it becomes, it, wow, this person got a lot of airtime. Maybe it's on YouTube. Let me go watch <laughs> it. So rather than teaching good behavior and good manners, we really are. Our children are swimming in a pool of bad examples. Right. So all the more reason that we have to teach them how to be good human beings. It's interesting how you started your article saying that the juxtaposition of the funeral for our three boys came at the same time as you being named Dean of Azrieli. And the um, confluence or the perfect storm of emotions that I'm sure hit, how did that funeral and your new position, or I should say, how did that funeral impact on, on the role that you're taking now? Well, it just, I, I mean, I, I always felt both enormously privileged and enormously um, tremulous at the responsibility of heading up a school of Jewish education where I'm, I'm charged with, and I, again, have the blessing of preparing teachers and administrators who will change the landscape of Jewish day schools. Hmm. How much more so when I have to think about precious nature of our children as I confront the losses of three. And they really are our children. Mm. And I would argue that all children are our children. (laughs) All children are someone's son or daughter or sister or brother. Um, I have a background in working in grief and in trauma, and uh, I'm a psychologist by training. But being surrounded by educators who are going to be surrounded by children, the loss brought home two really important points. One, the unbelievable potential of every human child that needs to be cultivated and celebrated. And two, the power of the adults in their lives to translate the challenges, even the terrors and traumas of today's life and make the world a, it's hard to say in the same breath that we talk about these losses, a safe place for children to learn and grow. Is that, is that something we can accomplish? Is mm-hmm. that, is that a goal? Is that a, is that a, is that a lofty goal or that's an attainable goal? Are you saying, can we make the world safe for children? No. And that's the really hard adult reality. Right. I can't promise that a car won't jump a curb. <laughs> or a terrorist won't strike, or that buildings won't collapse, or floods won't happen, or lightning won't strike. The trouble is, and I alluded to this in the piece, the trouble is that sometimes when we as adults are so shaken by events in the world that we feel (laughs) tongue-tied, we say, how can I tell my child, go out and play today, all will be fine, when all isn't fine, my heart's broken, and somebody is, is... God forbid, having to bury a child today. How can I tell my child all will be okay when the one, the, I know the child down the block has cancer or you know this one just lost someone in their family? So we get tongue-tied and we say nothing. We feel if we can't offer a guarantee of safety, then we can't offer anything. But children are quite remarkable in their ability to live with the uncertainty of the world, they're not dealing on the level that we're dealing. They're not asking (laughs) um, or managing the questions. So sometimes they just need to know when they say, are you going to be home tonight? They just need to know, are we having fish sticks for dinner? (laughs) That's really the question. They're not asking the existential, you know, validation of your existence on the planet. So what happens if we don't give them that reassurance and say, yeah, see you at six. Because we're afraid. What if something happens? What if the hurricane hits? What if I'm not home by six? Well, then we leave the child uh, uh, literally afloat. Mm. 
wondering, why didn't mom say? Why didn't dad promise? Why didn't they offer? Now, we, we can be careful in our words. I would certainly not say to a parent, after or an educator after these deaths go into your classroom and say well other than that we're all good now right uh you know that is absurd it also you know points to the fact that we can't say to children that every prayer is answered Mm. but what we can say is that every prayer has meaning we never know the meaning it has and to whom it has the meaning um we can say that our prayer not only changes the world but it changes us You know, we can talk about acts of kindness and caring and how each little bit, just the way that water slowly but surely can erode mountains, our kindness, little by little, makes a difference, even if we can't see it in our moment or our lifetime. So let's talk about um, those those little things. and, and, And I don't think language is little at all. And no. I and I am very careful about the language that I use, not only on the air, mm-hmm. obviously, but in my home and when I was a teacher in my classroom. And even what I post on the Internet, what I post on Facebook, and I feel so strongly about language that I have found myself in the last number of weeks deleting comments of other people on my Facebook page that promote hate because mm-hmm. that's not the way I speak. And I and I don't appreciate when people use that language in my domain, in my sphere. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that when I'm speaking to my children, I try and keep that kind of level-headed language. And hate is not a word that we use at the Wallachs. Mm-hmm. Hate Good is, for you. Hate is not a word. Nobody hates bananas. It just doesn't happen. Oh, I was going to say, maybe you could hate broccoli. But, <laughs> um, you know, maybe hate, hate could refer to inanimate food items. But, oh, right. Um, but the, for me, it's like that is a that is a word we do not use. Mm-hmm. And this morning, while I had my... Tseva uh, Adom, my Red Alert app, open on my phone as I'm trying to stay as in touch as possible with my family and my loved ones and everyone in Israel. Um, and the siren went off on my phone, signaling that it was a you know, something was hitting, a rock mm-hmm. was hitting in Israel, and my kids were in the kitchen having breakfast. And the following ensued. One child said to the other, what's that? And they ran to my phone. They saw that a uh, a missile had hit because the alert comes up. A missile had hit in Ashkelon. Mm-hmm. And one child said to the other, a missile hit in Ashkelon. And they, and then the conversation continued. Why are they, why are they firing at us? And the, and, and while I was listening and I was not participating in the conversation because frankly, I am so emotional right now, I wanted to also hear what they had to say. And the only thing I knew was that my son, when he responded to my daughter, like, I didn't get everything because I didn't want to jump in the room so I could hear everything they had to say. But but what I did hear didn't include the word hate. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was of comfort. Mm-hmm. And when you're saying now that kids handle things on a different level as, of adult, as adults because with adults you're examining all different spheres and whatever. Like, I, I, I'm happy that they were startled by the sound, but I'm also happy that it didn't hit them the way it hit me. Is that mm-hmm. is that a fair assessment? Of course. And I think it, it speaks to, you know, children will respond based on the culture that they are exposed to. It is why, although I agree with you and have been equally distressed when I see posts that are filled with angry, venomous, threats and thoughts of revenge because I I really don't think Hmm. that that speaks to our Jewish ethos, who we are, who we want to be, who we can be, and who we should be. I also don't think it's healthy to teach that to our children. Mm -hmm. All of the, by the way, all of the research in positive psychology on forgiveness suggests the health benefits, both mentally and physically, that come from a forgiving rather than a vengeful nature. So we do a disservice if we give our children that language. And it sounds like, at least in the Wallach household, you've had some success in creating a different way, a kind of a different context 
for people to think about even these very difficult things. You know, you mentioned Seva Dome. One of my children came to me this week and said, you know, Emma, you have to see this. <laughs> and he showed me a video, which I had actually seen a very long time ago, that a teacher in Israel had created a Seva Adom song, complete with hand motions, wow. for children in her Sterot Elementary School. Wow. So that every single time, that it, and they go off way too frequently in Sterot, right. the Seva Adom goes off, they have a song that they sing on their way to the shelter and when they come out of the shelter. Hmm. Wow. Empowering them and giving them a context that says... Yes, I'm frightened. And by the way, nowhere is the word hate in there. Ugh. Nowhere is the word, quite frankly, revenge. Mm. It's all about here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm going to do to deal with it, and here's how I'm going to get through it. That, that's, that teacher's unbelievable example of wisdom in teaching not only humanity but coping in an inhumane situation. And that speaks actually to a couple of the points in your piece in Times of Israel about what educators can do to help teach this humanity, to help teach our children compassion and understanding within the context of the classroom, because it is an enormous responsibility. Mm -hmm. But also, these are examples that parents can implement at home, that camp directors can be implementing within camp because there are certainly people who are saying, well, I'm not a teacher, so this doesn't apply to me and I can do what I want in my home. Or kids are not in school now. They're in camp, so this doesn't affect me or us for another couple of months. No, that is not the case. Right. My, my, my three important reminders are value it, live it, and teach it. Mm. If there is something that is important for your children to learn, then you have to value it, and they have to know you value it. How do children learn that it is important in the Wallach House that we don't use the word hate? You must have had a conversation about it. You spent time discussing it. You've banned it. Maybe you even had a fun activity where you buried the word hate in the backyard so nobody can use it any longer. I know a teacher who did that with the word can't. Mm. so that nobody in her class for her third grade year can use the word can't. I wish I had done that. That would have been a great idea. I have a ceremony. But the other way we show that we value is by the airtime we give it. So in our schools and at our Shabbat tables or dinner time or car rides, if all we are talking about is where's the best place to do our nails and whose house has the prettiest decorations, then our children come away thinking That's what's important to us. Mm. If we, driving in the car and at our tables and in our classrooms, talk about we heard someone in the community is not feeling well, what could we do to cheer them up? Then they know that how other people feel matters to us. So we have to, and, you know, part of one of the challenges, I think, particularly for parents, is that we do a lot of our caring and compassion quite privately. Mm. You know, we do our beaker kolim, and we cook for someone for Shabbos, right, right. and we do it while our children are at school. Right. But if we want them to know that it's important to us, we have to say it. We have to give it airtime. Then we have to live it, and we have to live it while they're watching us. You know, we can't be hypocrites. We can't give a lot of airtime to it. It's so important to make sick people feel better and then never visit the hospital. We can't talk about how important it is to make newcomers to our community feel welcome and then only invite the same four families every week. <laughs> True. Um, we have to be living examples. Teenagers in particular are hy- hypocrisy sniffers. <laughs> they find it in us. They are the first ones to say, oh, well, that is you. you're the one who told me to do X, but you're doing Y. So we have to be very careful about losing our credibility by saying something is important to us and then not living right. that value. Right. And the last of the three parts, which is, uh, I think, the one that we tend to forget for so much of this kind of humanity and social um, intelligence area, is we have to directly teach it. We can't assume that our children are just going to pick this up by osmosis. My husband tells this story all the time of how his father, Allah Shalom, 
taught him to shake a hand. Hmm. And how important it is. You know, you didn't look at that person. Wow. I you have that. to look at them. And that's, that's a wishy-washy handshake. No businessman's going to take you <laughs> seriously. You know, with sincerity. But that's, that's an example. We, we teach our children to ride bikes. We teach them to right. read in Hebrew and English. We teach them how to daven, hopefully with kavana. We, we teach them all kinds of skills. But do we teach them social skills? Do we teach them this is the way that you say thank you to someone. Here's how you accept a compliment, and here's how you accept criticism. Let's practice. We practice riding a bike. Right. When do we practice accepting criticism? Well, I guess that at some point or another, the same way as a parent or as an educator, you see these, the, the fruits of your labor, so to speak, when your kid does not fall down and can go around the entire block on his, his or her bike without falling down. Mm-hmm. is the same way... When, when, please God, we, we overhear other conversations in our kitchen and we hear the speak that we hope our kids are using actually being used that maybe we are moving in the right direction. Absolutely. And we, we have, we will, if we look, we will see shining examples of our children's humanity. And when we see them, we have to praise them. Hmm. We, we have to catch right. them being good and let them know how much this is important to us, how much we value this. We have to, you know, we pin, I grew up with a refrigerator door that was filled with everybody's A's and compositions <laughs> and artwork, but their midot and their menschlichkeit need to make it onto the refrigerator door also. Right. Those Absolutely. acts and actions need to be celebrated and valued just as much because really as a parent, nothing makes your heart soar more and hearing what an amazing mensch your child is. Nothing could nothing could be more true. Dr. Novick, I thank you so much. I do wish you complete Hatzlacha in your position as Dean at Azraeli. They are under great care. Thank uh, you. Thank I, you. It, it is my pleasure to be here to serve with such an amazing faculty and such amazing students at an amazing university that truly the tagline of nowhere but here Amen. is so true. Amen. And I, I hope that the next time we talk, we're talking about simchas uh, and about shalom. Amen. Thank you so much. And that is a perfect note to end. Thank you so much, Dr. Novick. I appreciate your time. Be well. Thank you. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And actually, I could not have picked a better song um, than the one I'd prefer to play right now in between this interview with Dr. Novick and our upcoming interview. This song is Yosef Karduner's Vizakeni Lagadel. Please enjoy. Tu 
ובכל מלאכת עבודת הבורא. ומאירים את העולם בתורה ובמעשים טובים, ובכל מלאכת עבודת הבורא.
Yeah. Well, we were barbecuing in March, but that's not bad. That's nothing. You can barbecue anytime. Hello, when you spend the entire winter in snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, I know it's hot outside now, but I don't know if you remember. There was a little bit of snow this winter. It's just a little bit. <laughs> it was, it was a little bit rough. Um, before we even get to the issue, which by the way is fantastic, and I, I love every single one of them, but Thank you. I sort of feel like I love the next one even more. Somehow or another, you guys tweak it a little bit. You do a little this, a little nip, a little tuck, and the next one comes out even better. What? How, how do you start with like the, the clean slate? Like you 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 have blank pieces of paper. Yeah. How do you decide which direction you're going to go for that issue? Where do you get your inspiration from, and what are the steps? So um, that's a good question, but it really just starts off with what's you know what we're thinking that is the new let's say a new trend that's going on in the market um we're thinking let's say you know two years ago korean was so big so we did korean barbecue right right um or different ideas two years ago already yeah two years ago holy yeah okay crazy yeah um and then we just build it up from there what could we do in connection to that um so for example for this issue we know that um in addition to just barbecue um, you know, there's so much out there, there's so many recipes, but it's really about also how could we share expert tips with people? I mean, that's something that, yeah, you can Google any recipe, but what could we do to take it up a notch? Mm. And that was the inspiration to speak to different experts. And, um, and we noticed that there's a huge trend in the kosher world about barbecue. Right. There's Ari White, right. there's the Hickory, um, grill in, um, Cedarhurst in Five Towns. There's a hickory girl on dinner. Hickory, um, the name exactly slips my mind, well, but there's I'm somebody so in five towns. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Unless they're so, barbecuing tofu, honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I have a good time. Yeah. So that, that was our basis. Like, that was our blink. You know, that's what Got we it. started with. And Got then we it. built it up from there. So we had all these people share their tips. We learned so much. They shared their recipes. And we also, uh, like you mentioned, you're not such a barbecue person. We also noticed there's such a big trend for vegetarian eating, for right. vegan eating, and so there's so many choices within the barbecue articles that we did beyond just chicken. Um, you know, we had Stephen Weinberger. He did chicken on a throne. Right. Which that was is, really amazing. Yeah. And not only, first of all, when, <laughs> when people are people are listening now going chicken on a throne, yeah. like what does that mean? <laughs> it means chicken on a can of beer. Exactly. Right. Which is amazing because it's just fun. It's just fun. And by exactly. the way, just imagine the visual for a second. It's just a funny picture. It's awesome. It is. Yeah. And how did it taste? It is incredible. It's really? the juiciest chicken you're going to have. So I don't yeah. understand. The the beer becomes like infused in the chicken? You, you pour out some of the beer or soda that you're going to use. You pour it you out pour in quotation out, marks. You pour some of it out. You so, drink the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay, true. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just put the chicken on it and let it grill um, off the heat. So that was something else that we discussed was the best ways to grill. So right. we had the experts share, you know, where you would put a piece of chicken or mm-hmm. meat that has to cook for a long time. We even did a standing rib roast, which is incredible. Wow. Um, and so we did grilled watermelon salad. I saw that. I want to yeah. talk about that. Hold okay. on, because that's my thing. That's my thing. I <laughs> exactly. That. That's why I was like thinking right. about you. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I, that. First of all, I love grilling fruit. It's amazing. I love grilling fruit. I live grilling stone-pitted fruit. Yeah. Anything like that is is totally up my alley. Grilling dates, and I... Oh, dates. That's an interesting one. A number of years ago, somebody, I, I mean, good four or five years ago, somebody introduced me to a grilled stone pitted fruit, fruit salad. Oh, wow. And I make it, it's, it, it becomes costly because you're buying the apricots, the plums, right. the dates, the, the whole nine yards. And totally. you're also, if you're doing it to the full extent, you're adding pomegranate seeds and you're <laughs> adding mint. And all of a sudden your fruit salad. <laughs> It's costly, totally. but if you're making it every once in a while, it's delicious. And the caramelization yeah. of the sugar in those fruits that it draws out from the grill, you really can't get it any other place. You can't elicit that kind of flavor anywhere else. I completely agree. Yeah. Thank you. So this is me advocating for barbecues when it comes to Yeah, fruit. we're going to get this like quote on our Facebook page <laughs> and tell everybody, like, right, you must try this. It came from me. By it the did. Way, it we did. Ne- we never even spoke about the vegetarian issue or the yeah. vegetarian article, but I personally got so much feedback for that. So thank you for including yeah. me in that. That was really a lot of fun. Um, that was a really a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, one of my, one of my older brothers likes to joke every once in a while, you know, if you're doing the whole vegetarian things for attention, like nobody cares anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right. Well, it's been 25 years. So no, I, yeah. I think we're a little bit past that. It's authentic. Um, I read magazines in general mm-hmm. from the back to the front. Yeah. 
So when I opened the magazine, you did it also for me. When I opened the magazine and saw the watermelon cake, yeah, it was amazing. Uh-huh. So let's talk about the watermelon cake. So um, that's also something, you know, this um, idea of trying to eat light, fresh, healthy, but doing something unique with it. And um, it's something that's very trendy is to take melons, make cakes out of it. And so um, we took this watermelon. Um, this was actually our food stylist's recipe, Chai Friedman. Okay. Um, and so she poked some holes into the cake, put some gin in it. Yeah, let I it saw soak. that part. Yeah. So that was like optional. Right. Um, but you can even, I mean, it's a gorgeous presentation. It's so easy to do. And it's something that's so fresh and delicious. Right. Yeah. And kids We're very will, excited about and it. And kids will be so engaged. Yeah, exactly. Like I, um, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of the magazine. So, and it was an idea, a concept I had never thought of, of using fruit like that yeah. and serving it in wedges and having, you know, and serving it like a cake. So I, I did what you told me to. <laughs> I put it on the platter and I brought it to the table and we served it for dessert. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and you know, everybody stares at it for about a second <laughs> because all of a sudden there's something that looks like a pink cake, like a yeah. really, really pink, reddish cake coming to the table. Exactly. And then... It's just a fun way to right. enjoy it's, the summer fruit. Yeah. And you know what else it is? It's a cleaner way yeah. because the watermelon juice is not running down your arm and you don't Valid. have that yeah it's also more i guess elegant exactly nice. it's, it's classy having, yeah it's yeah. a very classy way of dealing with it yeah, and then you have sure. your grilled watermelon salad yeah so let's talk about the inspiration behind that you were just taking it to the next level so this was one of the experts that we spoke to we spoke to so many experts we spoke to different chefs from different restaurants um and basically he shared this grilled watermelon salad, which is so incredible because we also have the nine days in mind. You have nine days where you want to have some fun on the grill. Right, we're going to talk about that. You want to do some fun things. So that's something that's great. And like you said before, grilling fruit just takes it up a notch Mm -hmm. and it takes it up a level. And um, it takes, you know, you can use your grill for almost anything. You really can. Yeah, you really can. So besides watermelon, like you mentioned, stone fruit, we have a peach salad. We have summer salads that we did that in addition to just being a salad, we added a protein to each one to make it mm-hmm. sort of like a meal. And you have summer salad wraps also. Yeah, like so all of a sudden I'm looking at a wrap. It's got blueberries <laughs> in it. I, okay, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. So yeah, one. that was like our two main concepts. Like you were asking about like how we plan the issue. So we were like, okay, we're going to ask experts about barbecuing. And then the other thing, we're going to celebrate the season. Right. So we focused on different seasonal items. And then also um, thought about, first of all, picnics. And secondly, Shabbos is so long. And everybody right. does Shabbos dinners or right. Shalashadas. Mm-hmm. And you're always thinking about what to serve besides like, you know, hard-boiling eggs and mashing them up. <laughs> so this was basically what, the concept. What, that's not okay every week? Yeah. <laughs> it actually is not bad. But, um, so basically this was the concept of just doing a picnic-style um, food. So we had that as well. No, it was really nice. Yeah. Just as a total total um, tangent for a second, I just, <laughs> you'll like this. I have a friend of mine whose name is Jamie Giller. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, it's only funny when I don't totally confuse them on Facebook and write something <laughs> totally bizarre. So kudos to Jamie Geller, who has never finally written back or posted something or sent me a message like, Mary, are you okay? <laughs> because sometimes my posts really make no sense because I confuse the E with the I. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Let's also talk about, um, you mentioned for a second, the nine days. So there's yeah. a new nine days icon that you guys yeah. have throughout the magazine. Mm-hmm. And so this was done so that, you know, instead of doing, oh, this is a nine days article, right. throughout the issue, you could have inspiration for the nine days. And we also mentioned it's also vegetarian-friendly recipes. Yes. So it was, you know, sort of a dual-purpose situation. So that I was, you just mentioned the vegetarian issue. That was our first issue that we sold in Whole Foods. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that was very exciting. Hey, Thank you. How'd that so go? It went well. I, mean, I didn't one, even know that. Yeah, it was, that was the first issue. It was like the perfect issue to introduce there. I was in Whole Foods? You were in Whole Foods. All right. And so I actually went to the Brooklyn location because I live in Brooklyn. And they had, I'm like, where's Joy of Kosher? Because I had seen it the week before. They had sold out. So <gasps> that felt great. So you went into the trunk. You pulled out more copies. <laughs> you brought them in. <laughs> oh, you need more? We have more. <laughs> that's what happened, isn't our it? Distri- our distributor would not be happy. But yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. Right. That's, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you were in Whole Foods. That's really that's, quite yeah, exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, how did that even transpire? Well, we actually were in touch with different companies, and they were talking to us. They, one of the questions they asked us was, people were asking us, are you in Whole Foods? And so we got the idea, you know, if people are asking us and right. they sell magazines, right. why not? Right, why not? So, you know, did some research, found the distributors, and got in. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Let's also talk for a second about some of the gadgets that you have featured. Yeah. So there's the cherry pitter. Yeah. 
Well, we did a cherry article. So every time what we try to do with the gadgets is coordinate it with coordinate right, right. Which so it makes a, a tremendous theme. amount of sense. Yeah. So we wrote like if you're really into pitting cherries, this is a great gadget. And then we also gave tips how to do it without a gadget. So you have tips on using a pastry. A pastry tip is a great way, or a straw, or a safety pin. So there are different home tools. A safety pin. A, a paper clip. I meant. Oh, what do you do with it? You, you sort of like open up the paper clip, stick it inside, and twist the pit out. Wow, that's really um, intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice way. I the can the put pastry it. tip was, is a good one because you just sort of like stick it in. So basically, my smashing them on the counter and you can then also smash them on the counter. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I didn't get to uh, box that day, just smashing a whole yeah. bunch of cherries on the on the counter. Exactly, it is very effective. Um, but then explain to me the corn cob so peeler we did, thing. So we have uh, we did a whole corn article, right? Right. Um, and we did corn toppers, which is so so fun. Okay. So um, along with it, we we found, we looked into different corn gadgets. So we have um, the disposable corn holders. We have, and then we also have like for corn salads, um, and then to clean. You know, you always have those random silks left over. Right. So we these are gadgets that help you know deal with corn cleanly. Deal with corn. It's also these things are fun gifts. I think like oh, you know, for sometimes sure. like people think you know are trying to find a fun gift for a hostess right. or no, something. I agree with that. So it's just fun ideas that are connected to what we're doing. I agree with that. By the way, how long does it take to put it to, from start to finish with an issue? Because there's um, so much, there are so many details and there's so many elements and there, and it's and it's layered to such right. an extent that it's really thought through comprehensively. So how long is start to finish? Um, I'm just I'm thinking like maybe about two to three weeks if you're going to count like the time, but it's put together in a matter of like a month or two sometimes. So we're talking... But it's over a period... It's about... Takes about three weeks. Got it. Takes yeah. about three weeks. We have like a week set aside for the photo shoot, which we do everything ourselves. So, um... You photographs know, about, are amazing. Thank you. I'll, that's Ruby Leader. Thank you so much. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he does a great job. Right. Um, so we, you know, plan the photo shoots, um, you know, go prop shopping, cook the food, I do want to come prop shopping. Yeah, I think so we've talked fun. about this. Yeah, it's a really I want to come prop shopping. And the picnic we shot outside, we found someone's garden and oh. we were like, you know, in Brooklyn, people were like watching like what's going on. It was so fun. That's cute. Yeah, we really did the real scene. Good for you. Yeah. Let's also talk about the summer salads because I'm a big yeah. Melinda Strauss fan. Yeah, she's amazing. She's adorable. Yeah. So she has a number of different options here, and while I'm looking at the arugula salad, and it has, um, and it has the goat cheese on it, and you're like, okay, a goat cheese and arugula salad, you know, fine, that's okay, yeah, that's pretty typical. But no, because this one has grilled peaches, exactly, which is amazing. <laughs> Again, me with the grilled fruit, I'm a big fan. Um, yeah. So she contributed on this one. What were some of the other some of the other recipes for for um, for that section? So she also did a margarita chicken salad, which was incredible. And then we also, you know, said, oh, go for the nine days, take out the chicken. Um, and then an incredible uh, fruit salad, like a summer fruit salad, sort of a dessert. And then to add the protein, like I mentioned, we put like a dollop of Greek yogurt, which which oh. went so well with it. Yeah. You know and, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, keep going. No, I was I was, I was going to talk about the barbecue. Let's Back talk the about barbecue. Yeah, let's talk about so the barbecue for a second. It was it's such a trend, uh, such a trendy, um, that was the trend that we were pl- like looking into. And so Steven Weinberger, who's a big barbecue fan, um, put together an article about barbecue competitions. And what was so amazing is we have a list. It's like sort of our travel section. And we have a list of all the barbecue competitions that are taking place throughout the United States. And it's amazing to see how kosher and barbecue has grown so tremendously. Um, and that's just the information. Like wherever you are throughout the summer months, you could be in Memphis, you could be in New England. Um, wherever you'll find yourself, there's a barbecue competition going on. I was it's just, so much fun and it's incredible I to was see. Just con- I was just contacted by people in Kansas City. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's Kansas City, it's Memphis, it's Long Island. Yeah. And you have a whole, right, yeah. you have a whole listing. The whole listing. What was the funniest one? Something about um, Pigs Fly, whatever it was called. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? There was one funny one. Oh, shoot. I'm going to really go through the entire issue now. No, it's crazy. But there was one really funny named um, barbecue competition, kosher barbecue competition right. that took place in May that it was something like um, pigs I, it, fly, it whatever. Mind, yeah, it was just You'll it was have to just read cute. the issue to see it. Exactly. The, the issue is fun. The issue is great. Thanks. I think I've told you I've given the issue to non-Jewish people who think it's like... Thank you. It, it's, it, it is. It's an incredible cooking tool. It's an... And, um, let's also, by the way, talk about Triple Play, which is a new feature. Yeah, it's a new article that we're doing. 
Um, and it's always, I think, something that people struggle with is when you make dinner and you want to please your five-year-old, your 15-year-old, right. and your husband and yourself. So um, this idea is to make one dinner, not to have to make five different dinners, uh, but it's a dinner that's going to please everyone. So that's a new column that we're doing. Um, and something else that we're doing for summer is we're doing a summer of giveaways. Oh, um, hey! Yeah. So all the pro- all the props, all the um, gadgets that you see throughout the year, uh, we're doing giveaways on all these fun items uh, to all our subscribers. So it's a fun time to subscribe. Really? Everybody that's a subscriber is going to be put into sort of like, you know, a lottery, I guess. A bin kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, a few times a week we're going to do a drawing and people will be able to win these really fun gadgets. We have rice cookers, Dutch ovens, cookbooks, and just a bunch of fun things. That is great. Yeah, it's fun. You know what you can't give away is a Le Creuset pot. Well, we might. Really? Well, we Who's have gonna ship that. We have, That's um, all I'm thinking about is how much it's going to cost you to <laughs> ship that pot. So I guess for that pot, we'll right. do it, like only the Brooklyn people. No, I'm joking. Right. But or like you know the the, the cover or one part of it. Like you can't. It weighs <laughs> a ton. It weighs We're a ton. Giving even. away the cover. Right. We are giving you the cover. B Y O P. Bring your own pan. <laughs> it's just too heavy. There's something that somebody had said to me before I bought pots as a bride was understand that the weight of the pot is the weight of the pot without the food in it. Uh. <laughs> and so every so I have maybe like two Le Creuset pieces, which I covet. Yeah. They're amazing. They're, amazing. they're wonderful. But my gosh, are they heavy. Yeah, they're very heavy. Yeah. That is um that is some intense some intense cookware. People who people who have full sets of them, I frankly I don't understand <laughs> what they're thinking. Um what was your favorite part of this issue? Oh that's a good question. Um well not I mean I really liked so many. I mean, I love the barbecue section. Okay. That was amazing. So inspirational. So many great tips also. Um, so I learned a lot from that. Um, even simple things like, you know, bring your meat to room temperature. These are all right. different things Import- that make an incredible difference. Um, and I did an article on summer slaws, which was oh, great. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So not, it was my favorite. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, pick and, me, pick me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just great. They were simple and fun. And, and I actually served some of the slaws on Shabbos and I had like, I did a fennel apple slaw, for example, right. and um, I had people who would not eat fennel were eating it. Like my son, who's nine, was like eating it. My friend was like, what is this? And she was eating it. So that was great. And it was so simple and easy to make. Yeah, fennel is um, delicious. Yeah, I love amazing. fennel. I mean, you mentioned the melon cake was great. Right. And you, so many things. Yeah. You know what I, also, what I also noticed? And we only have a couple minutes left. But I also noticed with this issue was that you had a lot. You had very interesting contributors. Yeah. People from just like all walks of life. And to me, and you can say to me, no, it happens all the time or whatever. But it was all of a sudden like a tremendous amount of recognition for Joy of Kosher that every one of these contributors who has a name of to themselves yeah. all wants to be part of this product. For sure. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, it's a good point. And it's so interesting to see how kosher really just brings every – like eating and food is just a form of unity. Everybody comes together and, you know, it doesn't really matter where you come from. It's like something that everyone shares. Right. So, yeah, it's really great. And it's interesting. You get a lot of different points of views. You get a lot of different ideas – and things that you wouldn't normally see in one place, yeah. And, of course, the peanut butter sandwiches. Anybody who spends yeah. time in a magazine <laughs> talking about peanut butter sandwiches. That was fun. Yeah, I, of course. Yeah. <laughs> On the grill, of course. Right, and yeah. that's the, right. That's part of this. This was part of the barbecue session. I probably was like, huh. I'm intrigued. Yeah, these pictures have grill marks on their sandwiches. I mean, because, I mean, we were thinking about it. Like, I have a son who doesn't eat anything. So we used to sit by the barbecue. That's got to be ironic. Yeah, it's very ironic. And, you know, he's the type of kid that eats, like, bread and pasta all the time. And we're sitting around barbecues, and he's, like, munching on a hot dog bun. So, you know, it's just something fun to make for the kids, you know, some peanut butter sandwiches. Right. No, that's always a good option. Wait a minute. I just pulled it up. It was called When Pigs Fly Kosher Cook-Off. That was in in Birmingham, Alabama, May 18th, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So just Joy of Kosher just came out, which is very exciting. And the next issue is coming out when? Because then Um, I'm not going to be able to talk to you. Naomi's going to be back. Right. Right. (laughs) It's going to come out um, in September time sometime, the exact date, maybe at, in the beginning of September. Does it help you that the Yom Tovim are in October? What? Does it help you that the Yom Tovim are in October? It buys you a little more time? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's true. Right. Not too bad. Well, Schiffer yeah. Klein from Joy of Kosher, thank you as always Thanks for joining so us. It is always a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your day. Let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day so you know what to expect what to look forward to, and what not to miss. The live lunch starts just in a few minutes, hosted by Nachum Siegel. And as we say, we start with brunch and we end with lunch. And then today at 1 
p.m. It's the world according to Gorf. Yep, stunt show hosted by Gorf. And this week, in expectation of the reflective three weeks and in solidarity with the Jewish state, during this time of emergency, the world according to Gorf presents, as we say, the world according to Gorf, sorry about that, presents comfort music from and inspired by Voices for Israel, plus a touching new installment of Torah Me Star Trek. And that, again, is the stunt show from 1 to 2. Then at 2 p.m., it's Throwback Thursdays, Encoring JM and AM from years past. Homeward Bound with, with Eagle Siegel starts a little before 4.30 today. And by the book, hosted by Encore and hosted by Nahum, starts at 5 p.m. Spin Class with Michael Fragan today at 6 p.m. Maggie Haberman of Politico joins Michael on the air today. And former Netanyahu senior advisor and J-Post columnist Michael Freund joins the program as always as well, I should say. You don't want to miss that. New York Assembly hopeful Todd Kaminsky is scheduled to be on as well. And then at 7 p.m., Charlie Burnout wraps up the day tune in all day long. Join Nachman tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as they host JMNAM live here on the stream, NachmanSiegel.com, JMNAM.org. Do not miss the weekly update with Malcolm at 740. And, of course, an, uh, Naomi, table for two tomorrow morning, starting at 9. It is an encore presentation. As we know, Naomi is still in Australia enjoying the land down under. And as she posted this morning, listening to us on her app. An updated 2014 schedule is on our website. Go to NachumSiegel.com and click on the network schedule. Our thoughts and prayers, it goes without saying, are with our brothers and sisters in Israel. I leave you today with Nochi Krohn's Marabu. We're going to pick that up in the, uh, well, we're going to pull that up, I should say, in the background. There we go. It applies to everything in life, whether it's our chayalim, whether it's the smiling faces on our children, whether it's the selfies that Israelis are taking in bomb shelters, whether it's however you're reacting. Ma rabu ma'asecha Hashem, and I should, of course, mention Iron Dome as well. Anyone, by the way, know if Nochi is coming out with a new album? Because we surely could use one. Stay safe, everybody. That's life. Bye, guys.
אותך.